as of now, I can tell you we have 64 comments in, similar comments, about Seymour College. So I will put one of those comments uh, to Minister Norma Foley, but we have other aspects of life that we have to speak to the Minister about, and she's about to join me on the line as well. Now, comment lines open, though, on 086 38 33 55 uh, 3. Minister Norma Foley, good morning to you. Thank you indeed for taking our call this morning, and a very good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Thanks for joining us uh, today. You're a very popular person, Delighted. by the way, uh, today. I want to go to Seamon College in a minute. I'm currently on 68 comments about a PE hall, so to ponder on that. But I want to tell you about the okay. disaster, really, which is a school transport uh, system uh, here, in certainly in Galway as well. Um, you've been reviewing this. Uh, will it be better moving forward, can I ask you? Right. Well, I suppose in the first instance, just in the interest of clarity, I should say there's 161,600 students currently yeah. availing of school transport. That's a significant number of students. And, Absolutely. you know, this school transport review 2030 has a vision that by 2030, there will be an additional 100,000 students um, uh, availing of it. So... I know the issues myself that have arisen on the ground. I come from a rural constituency. I know the value and the importance of the school transport scheme, you know, to facilitate parents, you know, so that children are getting to school so that they can go to work or eliminating yeah. traffic on the road. There are so many positives here. But some of the issues that have arisen and were part of this review identified by parents and guardians and students and coach operators and everybody else that we engaged with were the criteria, for example, currently is that students must reside um, 3.2 kilometres from their primary school or 4.8 from their post-primary school. Um, so we're going to eliminate that and reduce the, the distance criteria to two kilometres uh, and it will eventually be just one kilometre at primary school, but two at post-primary. We're also going to eliminate the nearest school. Again, people felt that that didn't give them flexibility or choice in terms of choosing a school. So we'll eliminate, you know, the, the need to attend your nearest school. Yeah. We'll also introduce things like parents identified, for example, parents and guardians of children with additional needs. They currently travel on the special school transport scheme. Um, they asked for the option, should they so wish, to travel on mainstream. So we will provide for that. But I want to be very clear the special school transport scheme will remain in place but the choice will be there if parents want them to travel on mainstream equally want to say we will be upgrading the mapping um scheme again this is something that's presented to me by parents and guardians that you know much of the mapping that's done by um bus air and is as the crow flies we now need it to be more accurate in terms of what's actually happening on the ground so we'll be utilizing modern technology in that respect we'll be introducing e-ticketing which will give us a clearer picture of who's using and who's not using yeah, yeah. Um, the transport scheme and all of this to be achieved by 2030 but it will begin in september of 24 this september so we will have two pilots running in september the first type of pilot will be where we will integrate um public transport you know rural links and that with the school transport scheme so there will be efficiencies there that will only apply at post-primary because children at primary school um no, no child under 12 can uh, travel on um, public transport unless they're accompanied so but that will be the first you. type of pilot and the second type of pilot will be where we will be reducing the 3.2 and 4.8 distance criteria. We will also be introducing in September of 24 a full review uh, of the terms and pay and conditions of bus escorts. Now bus escorts are very We have lost the minister there have we? This line is going to see can we reconnect with the minister I wonder can I reconnect uh, with the minister there? Don't know why. 
you know, a significant review of their terms and conditions, and that was it by the end of 24. We will also, in 24, increase the special education grant, and in September of 25, we will have reduced to two kilometres the, the distance criteria. So it's a step-by-step -step between now and 2030 to ensure that we will have 100,000 additional students oh, on the scheme. Okay, Minister, um, you just dropped out there. Can I just plead with the people in Kinvara, will you just stop texting? I've had enough of them today. And I will get to the question shortly, so please show a bit of respect, if you don't mind, because they're texting in and they're trying to cut you out at the same time. Minister, can I just take it, this, this, these are significant changes that you've been working on, and from looking at them and reading them overnight, this is going to be a game changer once these pilots are done and this is tested. Yeah, absolutely. And and as I say, you know, it was interesting to see um, in the review that there was absolute unanimity from parents and guardians who use the, the and students who use the system and probably even more importantly, from those who engaged who do not have access to the system. Yeah. That this is really, really important and to rural Ireland. I know it myself. So it, it will be a game changer for the additional 100,000 parents. And just on another note to say that in terms of September of 24, the portal opens today for those who wish to apply for September of 24. It'll be open until the last Friday in April and payment is due by the 7th of June. And just to say in relation to that, the charges will remain the same. That's €50 Euro for a pupil at primary school, 75 at post-primary and 125 for a family ticket. And it is interesting to note in terms of the €50 Euro cost at primary or 75 at post-primary, that's costing the, the department, that's costing government €1,100 Euro per pupil, but we're charging €50 Euro at primary and 75 at post-primary. That's a phenomenal saving for families yeah. in terms of, you know, mindful of cost of living. And that's in addition to, you know, the free school books that we rolled out at primary school and we'll be rolling out at post-primary, the hot school meals and, you know, other initiatives we are incredibly conscious of the challenges for parents in a, in a cost of living um, area. So again, I think, you know, this this rural transport scheme is a huge addition from that point of view also. But it's, I mean, it's massively subsidised, so it is, by the taxpayers and by the government, and which is the taxpayers, um, but it's massively subsidised uh, from there. Is it still going to be it run, can I ask you, by Bus Aaron? Well, yes, currently um, it is it is run by Bosairn and you know that Bosairn then can subcontract out. Yes. But there will be, as I said, um, where there are opportunities, there will be an amalgamation uh, or an opportunity to integrate with public transport. Again, I see myself uh, on the ground, you know, we have, you know, um, rural links or rural connectivity links yes. or whatever that are operating. There will be opportunities there as well and that will streamline all the more, I suppose, the offering as well. So that, that will be significant going forward. Uh, yesterday we had uh, your colleague in the Centre, Pauline O'Reilly, on the programme with us and she was talking about that one kilometre. I mean, I, I just said, for God's sake, in this day and age, we're trying to get kids out and get them, get them walking and that one kilometre is not too far to walk to school. I know on a wet morning they get in wet and otherwise, but it's not that far. Yeah, but to be fair, I suppose really that one kilometre is only for primary school and so those children are very young. Suppose, you know, yeah, they're yeah. anywhere between five and, 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 and 12 years of age. I do know as well, there will be instances, of course, where students can walk to school and where they can cycle to school and that's, and obviously we would encourage that. Yeah. But I also know from my own experience on the ground, 
if it were one kilometre or two kilometre, the infrastructure isn't there. Parents wouldn't feel happy um, that their six-year-old was, was cycling to school because maybe the road condition, particularly in rural Ireland, um, is not one that they would regard conducive to that. Now, over time, that may well change because there's considerable investment going into, you know, cycling lanes and active travel schemes and all of that. And that will change over time. There's no doubt about that. But presently, I think, as I look at the rural Ireland that I know, um, I, I don't feel that, you know, a six or seven year old walking or, or, or cycling to school, you know, from a safety point of view in some instances, though not in all. I, I stand corrected on that. Can I just stick with uh, school transport just now? So that, that extra 100,000 people. But I mean, this kind of went wrong um, when there was free bus services for schools and that and people then took up spaces in them and didn't occupy them. And that seems to have caused a problem. Do you think it's 50 and 75 sufficient uh, enough to deter people who really don't use it all the time and, and exclude others? Yeah, well, again, I, I think, and that's a very fair point now, um, and it is a catch-22. I think we have to be very conscious, Keith, that there are many parents who are facing significant challenges around Absolutely. cost of living. Uh, and so we are, as a government, and particularly in my own department, we're focusing on that. Um, and so, as I've said, you know, 50 euro and 75 euro, that is part of that scenario. Um, but notwithstanding that, I think there is a fair case to be made that people have taken up tickets and are, are not utilising them. Now, I understand there could be a variety of reasons there. There could be, you know, um, you know, a child could be ill or um, parents maybe, in, you know, at four o'clock in the evening are probably taking them to other activities or whatever. So they're not utilising it in the evening. But there can be instances where they're just not being used full stop. Yeah. And I do think the e-ticketing system that we're um, intending to introduce, I think that will clearly identify those who are using and not utilising um, the, the, the bus service and I think then that will give a scope to, to withdraw those tickets and that would be my ambition going forward where we have concrete evidence from e-ticketing that would say you're not utilising um, this service um, you know uh, and there's somebody else that could utilise it. Okay. But again I, I want to be clear you know you know the reduction of, of other things like whether it's the you know the distance criteria or you know, eliminating the nearest school um, issue as well, that will allow more and more um, to to legitimately uh, be part of the of the, the school transport scheme. And, and just on buses, finally, and then I want to go to two other questions, but in, in relation to buses, are there enough um, operators out there with drivers, because there's a shortage of drivers, to, to go through with this pilot project and to improve the service? Yeah, and again, I think that's a fair point. You know, um, there's no doubt there are a shortage of, of, of bus drivers. I think those shortages are not unique, I suppose, to the transport sector. You know, we're seeing, we're a country at near full employment now, so we're seeing challenges in terms of uh, personnel in whether it's retail or, um, you know, healthcare or, or um, tourism or whatever the case might be. But we are proactive in this space. You know, uh, I do want to say that there's been direct engagement with local operators on the ground. Um, we have um, liaised with the National Transport Authority. Um, there, I've seen them myself, a whole variety of national and local adverts seeking contractors or bus drivers. There's presently a recruitment of bus driver right. um, campaign running. And I've specifically seen one last week with it's targeting women drivers who might like to come on yeah. board. And finally, just to say as well, we've engaged with the Department of Enterprise um, with the intention of, you know, visas being provided for people who may wish to, to come into the country and would operate as bus drivers. So we are proactive in the space. Um, it is, I suppose, in many respects, a sign of the times, but we are determined um, equally so when we, you know, coalesce, I suppose, with maybe the public transport scheme uh, and the, the school transport scheme that, again, there'll be efficiencies there in terms of availability of drivers too. 
All right, uh, just another question for you. Uh, just, and we've got 85 questions in as of now about Simon College in Canberra. Good morning, Keith. I'm a teacher based in Simon College in a lovely village of Canberra for a number of years. The Board of Management and the school staff, together with the great community behind us, have been pushing hard for to secure funding from the Department of Education for a gym hall for the now 1,600 plus students. It is so disheartening and disappointing to hear that funding for this badly needed hall is not a priority. Our students' well being is at the forefront of our teaching and learning, and the gym hall has now seriously lacking. It's a basic requirement within the school community. It's been raining here this morning and again, like countless other days, my colleagues and our students venture out in the cold and wet for PE classes. This is unacceptable in this era. Now, there's 85 such questions with that one. Um, Is there any news or can you come back to me or phone a friend or go 50-50 minister on this one? Well, look, to be fair, Keith, I just want to say I am very familiar with the situation there. Um, I have visited the school. I have met with the principal. I, I actually had a meeting last Can week. Can you give them Ran money Rabbit for a hall? And, and Kieran Cannon, in, in specifically in relation to this. And there are just two points I want to make. Seem to have lost the line again, have we? Minister, please come back. Sorry, we've just lost the minister there again. It's the volume of texts that are coming back into us. Minister, can you hear me? Room, home economics room, art room, science uh, science lab, staff room. Millions of euro are currently being invested in, in Seamount College and that's at construction presently and that's phase one of our commitment to the school. The second phase is where there is in the master plan that's a special class provision and also um, the, the PE hall. I want to acknowledge the PE hall. Now we're already spending millions as I say on the 12 classrooms and yeah. the specialist classrooms, tech rooms, home ec, art and science and staff room. That's millions of euro being expended there. A PE hall on its own is actually €4 million euro provision. Um, it will be part of the master plan. It is part of the long-term plan, but currently at construction is the first phase. Okay. I also want to say in terms of the responsibility of the department, we are putting considerable um, effort into increasing special education provision. Uh, we need to do that. You know, We now have 3,000 special education classes in the system, two-thirds of which have been uh, delivered under this government. 400 special classes will be required every single year over the next two years. Okay. So we have to respond to that. Okay. We have to respond to demographic pressures to actually produce places for children. Okay. So we've not forgotten Seamount College. We've invested millions of euro, which is currently at construction. And we're master planning for both special classes and the PE hall for going forward. Okay. So I'm very I- conscious of it. And as I said, just last week, I had a meeting with Minister Anne Rabbit again on it. And indeed, Kieran Cannon. So it's very much on my agenda. I'm very much so being um, kept... Um, au fait with what's happening on the ground there and the demand and I appreciate that demand but I think our commitment to Seamount College speaks for itself when we speak about the millions okay. of euro we're investing currently and that it is part of the master plan going forward. Okay, you, your, your line dropped when I asked you that question first. Can you just recap for me? I know you've, you've said all about the building plan and all of that and it'll be, will be in the next, yeah. but just give me a timeline as to when you could see that there will be a PE hall in Seamount College. Are we talking about the, the, the lifetime of this government? Are we talking about mid, mid-cycle of the next government? Well, again, I, look, I, there are two phases to the plan for Seamount College. Okay, The first phase, as I've said, is the it's 12 classrooms. classrooms and that, the, yeah. and, and the second phase come in, Minister? Classes. Okay, yeah. and that's a million. That's millions of euro yeah, investment. I accept Phase that. two, in terms of the special class and the the PE hall, is is being mapped as part of the overall master plan. The PE hall, on its own, is a demand of four million euro. No, you that said must that, be balanced with the there. demands. When will it be again, there again? 
if, if I could just finish, that has to be balanced with the demands that we have in terms of special education and demographic measures. It is my hope and expectation um, that, you know, as we as we roll out, that we will be in a position, I can't give you a, a firm timeline on it, I don't think that would be fair, but it is a matter of availability of funding. Um, it doesn't take away from the commitment that we've already, are currently putting millions into Seamount, and when we have sufficiency of funding and we meet our other obligations around special education, which includes um, at Seamount College, you know, we will be putting in place uh, and rolling out the provision of the PE Hall. Two other very quick questions. Thank you for that. And we, we, that's the answer we've got, guys, so you can stop texting now. Heike, could you please ask uh, Mr. Norma Foley, is there going to be uh, a pay rise for transport assistance? You said there is, though. So, uh, Bus escorts, no pay rise since 2020, very low pay, a very responsible job. Uh, but you've, you've addressed that with me already, haven't you? Yeah, to be fair, um, look, I know the value of the work of bus escorts. I, I, I know many of them on the ground in my own constituency. There are 4,000 of them, but there are 4,000 very important people. And so I've given a commitment as part of this re- uh, review that their terms and conditions and all of that will be fully reviewed by the end of... Um, uh, by the end of 2024 and that will include the pay rates as well. Okay. Uh, could you please ask the Minister why she cut special educational needs hours in primary schools recently? Absolutely disgraceful. And that's absolutely untrue. Um, what we have done in terms of special education is we've uh, introduced, um, and they're specifically talking about special education teachers here now, um, there's no change in the special classes and there's no change in our special schools. The special education teacher allocation has been in place since 2017 and um, we got much feedback from, from parents, from schools, from um, principals, from people on the ground to say that there were you know, many shortcomings in the 2017 model, so it needed to be reviewed. So there was an 18-month review um, of the system. And there are, so there are three aspects to the system going forward. One of the points that was raised with us is that the school population the size and the, the profile of the school was not being given sufficient weighting. So we've changed that now so that going forward, the school profile and um, population of the school will be given weighting, significant weighting in the scheme. Secondly, the point that was raised with us is that children with complex needs, that that wasn't being suitably addressed because we were relying on the local HSC to provide the information to us. I have to say quite honestly, some of the local HSC provided some information, others provided lesser information and lesser and lesser again in other CHO or HSE areas. Therefore, we did not have accurate information around complex needs. So what we're doing now is that in terms of complex needs, where children have complex needs, we will rely on the data that is generated within the school, the data that they have available. And if, for example, a child with complex needs is not in a position to take any of those tests, whatever they might be, they will then be given the maximum weighting under complex need. And the final and third criteria is where we look at the HP index, which really looks at those at risk of educational disadvantage. So just two other points to make in relation to it. We, in actual fact, have 1,000 this year, 1,000 more special education teachers in the system than we had in 2021. We're introducing a system where the uh, National Council for Special Education have trialled this in the schools that they have visited, and it is 92% accurate, Where and there will never be 100% accuracy here because individual schools have, have individual um, issues. We're inviting people to 
um, engage in the review. If you feel that your school is not being uh, appropriately advantaged here or, or um, catered for, we ask them to get involved in the review. And the final thing to say is that 67% of our schools will either remain with the same allocation or they will have a better allocation going forward. And 23% of those sco- uh, of schools will have a reduction of less than five hours. The point is we're putting more and more resources and hours and personnel into special education teaching. Okay. We have 40,000 professionals working in the area of special education now. So it is inaccurate to say that uh, we are not uh, appropriately supporting special education. On the contrary, we're focusing particularly on children who need it most and we're distributing the resources to those that need it most with this model. If you're not satisfied with the allocation for your school, we ask people to engage with, uh, with the review. Minister, thank you. By the way, I didn't use the word absolutely disgraceful. It was at the end of the uh, text. Oh, it was, it no, absolutely. No, no, I, I absolutely accept that. Oh, 100%. No, accept that, Keith. Thank yeah. you. And somebody else just said, wow, absolutely no time and no time scale indeed for the new hall. Just, it's a work in progress, is what the Minister said. Minister, thank you for joining us uh, today. And um, Thank you, Keith. Thank you for joining us today. Minister Norma Foley, I have to say now, uh, with all of the texts and all calls and, and abuse coming in today, I have to say, not just, uh, it, it, my head is fried. So I'll take an ad break and we'll be back after these. Now, good morning to you, Keith. Um, that's why we love tuning into your show. As Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Well, there was no box of chocolates for me today. I'm 100% behind the people, by the way, in uh, Kinver on this one. Just today's campaign got a little bit unruly, so it did. Uh, and out of control. Wherever it started, I don't know, but it just fried my head. Anyway, my next guest is a native of uh, Chicago, uh, living in, in Ireland and living in Galway. Lorena Johnston joins me today, and we've been talking to Lorena, uh, Lorena indeed, about um, the cost of living and the cost of housing as well. Uh, morning to you. Can I bring in a little bit in yeah. there, if you don't mind? Just in relation to you're currently, you have accommodation, Lorena, currently. You yes. have um, accommodation currently, but come August, you won't have. Right, yeah. And so. you're you're you think it's you're you're appealing to landlords today. Yes, cuz well, it's just we we've been in our house now for 9 years when we it's a wonderful house, but because of the market our landlady is selling. Yeah. So a lot of people are in the same boat in Galway. And so they're looking for I have two kids, I'm looking for a three bed, mm. you know, and I'm looking to pay anywhere from 500 to 2,500 more a month just to get into a house that... 25, so two Yeah, there's three beds out there that are 2,500 at the moment in Galway. Now, you're living in the county currently, so you are? Yeah. And have you appealed to the landlady or she just said, does she need to sell? She needs... Oh, we, we've been there for... We have a lot of history with her. She's lovely, like, she's she's been a wonderful landlady, but I th- she just wants to be done. And fair play to her, she'd be getting... Way more money now than she would. She wants to retire, you see. So. Yeah, and could you buy it from her, or is that not a solution? Yeah, we we looked into that, and that was our first option that we looked into. But both of us being American, there was we were going through it, and then all of a sudden we got stopped, and there was red tape, and then it's going to take us a few years before we'd be able to. How many years are you in Ireland now? Eleven. Eleven. Mm-hmm. And is the red tape not over now? No, because we came in as volunteers, you see. So. Uh, we were to stay just off of, you know, social everything. And yeah. so we have to get into that system in order to be able to buy a house. So your appeal to landlords then today will be, for people in Galway, is to um, try and have reasonable rents for people like you. Yeah, just because maybe a year ago they were taking 
500 less, 600 mm. less. You know, just the prices have gone so high. Yeah. It's impossible. I'm seeing single beds for students in accommodation. They're looking for 700 to 900 euros sometimes for these single beds on the outskirts of Galway. And Lorena, are you consumed by this now? Well, I need to find security for my children. They're in a school they love. We're, they're in Kiltala and mm. they're in a school they love with friends they adore. And and so we're looking even further out that way, you know, towards, you know, even a time in Kiltala, Esker, back of Loch Cray, that kind of area. So you would think that it would be a bit more reasonable just because it's further out. Yeah. But right now there's no assurity for them where they're going to be come September. Um. And again, I mean, are the two of you working, can I ask you, or is that a terrible question to ask? No, not at all. We, we, we are working. We, we are basically, we have all of our funding that comes from America, and we do charity work in Galway City. So okay. my husband and myself, we opened up, uh, it's Living Hope Church in Galway City, right on William Street there. Yeah. And we do things with the homeless, and we want to get involved in Cope and Simon, and that's our, that was our lifelong dream, was to just serve Galway City, you know, yeah. that kind of way. So the funds and that the funds that you're living on, you're 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 not um, you're not reliant on the state. You get nothing from the state. We're bringing it all in from America. It's coming in from America. Yeah, yeah. And all you want is somewhere to live. Just somewhere to live, and we'll happily pay a reasonable price. But we can't afford some of these what, things. What would reasonable be in in your just you you know your own budgets at this stage, learning? Yeah, like we like. Like thirteen, fourteen hundred, you know, like at the very most, like it's for. I mean, we're looking at that rate. We're looking still at like a one or a two bed at what's on the market. But you can't with two children have a no, two bed. Oh yeah. And some of the places, you know, there'd be a two bed, but then there's no garden, mm-hmm. and I can't do that for them either. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, and then you think, well, maybe just get into a, a one bed for a while and just deal with it. But then where do you put all your stuff? Because we've been in this house nine years and we yeah. have a few bits, so. I mean, sure, we could get into an empty house and furnish it all ourselves and maybe that'll keep the price down lower, but... But then you have to buy the furniture. Yeah, but it's a happier thing to do because then it's your own. <laughs> yeah, but you, you were saying when you were talking with John earlier in the weekend, it, it's very, it's a conversation that has to be had that a family can't afford 18 to, to 2,500 a month for a three-bedroom at all. No. Who has that type of money? I don't know because nobody's getting raises, are yeah. they? No. No. So they're... So that's why even if you got a five percent raise, then, I mean the, the rents have gone up by multiples of five percent. Even if you got a five percent raise, which you're not getting, yeah. um, but it's um, so today's plea from you, quite simply, is anywhere in East Galway um, that would have a, reas- a house in reasonable condition, yeah. that you'd be prepared to um, rent it from them at a reasonable price, yeah, and you will keep it in good condition. Oh yeah, we have pristine references, and we've. We've taken care of every property as our own, you know, and both of our previous landlords would would say that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so when do you have to be out of the house by? We have until August. So The clock is ticking. Yes. That is but around the corner, so it is. It is. So mm-hmm. every day just... At this point, I need a miracle, but I, I believe in God and I believe that he is a miracle worker. That's what I have to put my... Please, God, the um, the interview that we're having now or the conversation we're having now uh, might create that miracle for you. Hopefully, it would be amazing, yeah. Listen, keep in contact with us, uh, Larina. 
It's L-A-R-E-N-A did I pronounce that yeah. right? So Lorraine. it's Lorraine, like Lorraine with an A. Yeah, Lorraine. Lorraine. But Lorraine. it's spelled funny, you see. So yeah. that's the problem. That's what they do in South Chicago. They do, they their, do. They do their best, them, them people in, in South Chicago. Chicago, to confuse me altogether. One of my favourite places in the world. Uh, but um, listen, you keep strong, keep in contact with us as well. Yeah. And if anybody can help in this regard to rent a house uh, to Larina and um, her husband and two children uh, at a reasonable price, will you call us here, please, on 091 Thanks for popping into us uh, today and do keep in contact. Thank you very much. Quick commercial break. We're back after these. I do believe I'm going to Australia next. Now, Councillor Michael Connolly is helping uh, Lorena and her family there. And somebody else said, would anyone have a contact number for for HICWA? I would say just look it up online. I've rang them so many times, guys. The number's there and they're very, very helpful. So if you initially want to contact them, just look them up online. Let me go to Garda Kevin Farley, who joins me on the line today. Garda Farley, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Thanks for joining us uh, today. We're looking at a number of issues uh, today. There's an, uh, we're looking at an assault there on Bohor Irwin. You want some assistance in this regard? That's right, Keith. Guardian Galway investigated an assault which occurred on Bohor Irwin area on Saturday, the 24th of February at approximately 2.20pm. A male received injuries to his face as a result of being assaulted. Guardian, you're looking to speak to anyone who witnessed this assault or asked to contact Galway Guard Station on 091 538 or to guard a confidential line at 1800 now you're looking at criminal damage and you're going to Galway City indeed and the Monsas Park area. That's right, Keith. Guardian Galway investigating the criminal damage incident that occurred in the Monsas Park estate on 25th of February, a Sunday evening between 7pm and 8pm, where the homeowner returned to their home and discovered two front windows of the house had been smashed. Guardian Galway looking to speak to anyone who may, may have been in the area around this time or anyone who has any information or has to contact Galway Guard Station on 091 538000. Indeed, the Garda competition line on 1800 Now, you're going to Newmarview, and um, again, you're looking at a theft from a car in Newmarview there. That's right. Guardian Galway investigating a theft from a taxi that occurred at Quinn Terrace Estate. Maybe on the 20th of February, a Tuesday evening at 7.45pm, the taxi driver pulled over to take a fare when a youth suddenly opened the front passenger door and grabbed the bag from the car. Guardian Galway looking to speak to anyone who may have been in the area and observed this incident or asked to contact Galway Garda Station on 0915 or to guard the confidential line on 1800 Now we're going to burglaries and we're going to Banlaslow for the first one there Garda Farley That's right, Guardian Banlaslow investigating a burglary which occurred in Crea Banlaslow on Tuesday 20th of February between 4pm and 6pm a black vehicle was seen driving from the house anyone who may have seen this black vehicle in the area or may have any information or asked to contact Balanslow Guard Station on 090-963-1890, or indeed the Guard Accomplication Line on 1800-666-1. Now you're coming into Athen Rye for the next one, and Guardian and Norm are investigating this. <coughs> That's right, Keith. Guardian and Athen Rye investigating a burglary which occurred at Thorain, Athen Rye, on Tuesday the 20th of February between 9.30am and 6.30pm. A home was ransacked, and several items were taken. Guardia looking to speak to anyone who has seen any suspicious activity in the area or has to contact Attenbury Garda Station on 091-844-016 or indeed to Garda Compilation 9 at 1800-666-1. Now we're going to Portumna indeed uh, for the next uh, burglary as well. That's right, Keith. Guardian Portumna investigating a burglary for support on Abbey Street, Portumna, towards the 22nd of February at approximately 2.20pm where three males were observed leaving the scene. Anyone who witnessed these males or observed any suspicious activity in the area has to contact Portumna Garda Station at 090 
0969742060 Now we're going to a burglary in Kilcarran as well you have some details on that that's right, Keith. Gardy and Mylock are investigating a burglary which occurred at Kuramaya, Kilkerna, on Saturday, 24th of February, 6.55pm. Two youths were observed jumping from the front window of the house and fled the scene. A small white car was seen acting suspiciously in the area at the time of the burglary. Anyone who witnessed these youths or this white car in the area asked to contact Mylock, Garda Station, 090-967-9272, or to contact Conversation 918-1800-6611. We're looking at uh, lost property and we're going to order more on this one and um, this is uh, something that's quite quite easily identified. That's right, Keith. Gardy in Ormore appealing for the public's help in locating an Art Deco white gold ring that was lost in the Renville area of Ormore on Friday morning, the 16th of February. The ring is of huge sentimental value to the owner and anyone who has any information on the whereabouts of this ring has to contact Gardy at Ormore Garda Station on 091 Zero, three, zero. Uh, you have a number of um, incidents that you want assistance with. You're going again, Guardian or more are looking for assistance in the first one. <laughs> That's right, Keith. Guardian or more investigating an incident that occurred approximately 10:30 a.m. on Monday, the 26th of February, in Maryland Lane to Wishka, Galway. Guardian requesting the public's assistance and looking for any information to try and identify a male that may have been seen acting suspiciously in the grounds of Maryland Park Hospital, Maryland Lane, or the Wishka Road areas between 10:30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Gary answers to try to identify and speak with this male who is described by the injured party as being a black male with frizzy hair in his early 30s wearing a grey jacket, black tracksuit pants, black boots and who is in the area around this time. Anyone who has any information can contact, contact Oromore Garda Station on 091-388-030. And uh, finally, Goblin United and uh, Connacht matches are going to bring some restrictions in this weekend. That's right, Keith. Guardian Galway would like to remind road users that there'll be traffic restrictions around Amy DC Park this Friday, the 1st of March. The match kicks off at 7.45pm. Restrictions will be placed shortly before and after kickoff. And also this Saturday, the 2nd of March, Connacht will play at sports grounds with match kickoff at 5pm. And again, Guardian wish to advise motorists that there'll be traffic restrictions in place before and after match. So plan your journey ahead. Gareth Farley, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Gareth Kevin Farley, and you can talk to any member of Gareth Shikona, but thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, today on the programme. If you can assist Gareth in any way, please call them on 0915 Now, let me move on today because I want to go all the way out uh, to Australia, so I do, and I want to do this and this, and then I should have uh, Caroline Kelly joining me on the end because if you're listening to local news, you'll have heard Lockery Woman uh, was awarded as a member of the Order of Malta AM for her significant services to the community. Caroline Kelly is the daughter of Jerry and Elizabeth Kelly and formerly of Lockery and now a citizen of Sydney in Australia and she's been awarded uh, a member of the Order of Malta for significant services to the community through raising awareness and funds uh, for research of pancreatic cancer. Caroline, morning to you. Good, well, good evening from here. Good evening. What time of the day is it over there, can I ask you? It's ten to ten at night. We're a good few hours behind you, so we are. So we wish we wish you well. Congratulations on this. Um, well done on, on this. But this came out of a passion, indeed, and love as well. It that's and that's right. Um, uh, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in two thousand and seven, um, and for many months we just thought it was his bad luck that he got the diagnosis he did and then in time we found out that really it was everybody who 
was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So he had a dream of seeing better outcomes. And then from that, um, we set up a research fund, which eventually became a foundation. And um, uh, the work that I did on that was what I received this lovely award for. Now, you raised a significant amount of money, so you did, um, for this research. We did. We were very lucky. Um, we invested 11 million in, um, there was about 26 research grants and we funded other initiatives too. Um, the generosity of the community and, and companies as well really uh, was so fantastic over the years um, because, you know, there are so many causes out there that need support. Um, so I, I never expected that and it was just lovely to to have people um, back us in that way. Now, you, unfortunately, your, your late husband indeed, um, who's the co-founder with you, uh, passed away. When did he pass away? In October 2008 and, and we both knew because when he was diagnosed it was um, stage four and there was no there was no talk of any chance of survival. It was just about um, quality of life for what life he had left. Um, so he, yeah, he didn't um, get to see what happened uh, over the years, but he did get to see the early stages of it and the outpouring of support and was really overwhelmed by that support. I think it's lovely what you've done and uh, pancreatic cancer need needed that research indeed. My own dad died of pancreatic cancer back in 2011 and again it was just a very, oh, a very, a very short illness I have to say. It was only 13 weeks from um, diagnosis to death and unfortunately, and but fortunately the research is ongoing which is most important Caroline, so it is. It is. It's um, uh, it, it, It's just going to need a huge investment on an ongoing basis because, um, you know, in Australia now, only 12.5% of people who get diagnosed with it survived five years. When my husband was diagnosed, that, that was 5%, um, but there's still a hell of a long way to go to get yeah. to any kind of acceptable level. And come here to me, um, he's looking down, of course, he's looking down on you in Sydney th th tonight for you. He's looking down on me today, so he's um, having a good laugh at us, I would think. Um, but <laughs> it's it, we have to believe that, I suppose, the way we grew up in Ireland. Uh, we have to, but what you've done and, and the award from the Order of um, Australia is just quite quite significant for you. Do you get to come home often, Caroline? I, I get home um, almost every year. Um, so I'm back the last time was um, December 22. It was um, my mum's 80th and uh, came home to surprise her. She's a young lady, so she is, has she ever been out here? She's been out twice, um, so she she loved the weather out here. Um, she came out with two of my sisters and they were really struggling with the heat and the humidity, but mum was completely in her element. That, that's the young ones for you now, you see. They can't take the heat and the humidity, but your mother could. <laughs> that's the young ones in the house. So it is, uh, 
Do you know what? What I wouldn't give for a bit of heat and humidity right now. I'm looking out the window here at Studio One and it's absolutely pelting down rain and it's cold, so it is. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us today. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to to you for what you've done. And again, just uh, to yourself and your husband uh, looking down on us today. I just hope that you can enjoy the awards that you've been given. But thank you so much for joining us. Caroline Kelly there joining us. And our thanks to her for joining us. So out of sadness, out of an illness, look at what she's achieved. Wow. Again, I love people like that. Just love somebody who takes it, give up her job indeed and career and all of that to just to, to work it through for other people. I think that's just magical. So it is yet to come to the programme. We'll have financial advice with uh, Dave McCarthy from McCarthy and Associates. So get your questions into us uh, to 086 uh, People with psoriasis are urged to take part in a new research story to better understand links with arthritis. Don't talk to me about arthritis, but we'll be talking to Professor Trevor Markham about that uh, later on as well on the programme. And also we're looking at, um, I'm speaking to Dr. Caroline West, because tomorrow is the 29th of February. It's a leap year. And who would you propose to? We're kind of hoping now tomorrow that a few of the the men around the building here will be proposed to uh, by young ladies indeed. So we'll be hoping for that tomorrow. And if it does happen in this building, we'll carry it live and exclusive like Sky News. So there's a few eligible bachelors knocking around the place. We'll just see tomorrow morning if tomorrow's their day. Or does Caroline West, um, Dr. Caroline West, does she agree with that? Maybe she doesn't. Now the let's head towards the 11 o'clock news and death notices.